Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have a special guest, Jim Marshall. He is a polymathic scholar who's devoted over 50,000 hours to the study and practice of multiple dimensions of human potential and development. He has created a revolutionary system, which he published in his book called Septemics, Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks, guys. So to get started a little bit, um, could you tell us a little bit about Septemics? And then we'll okay. kind of venture off into some background okay. things later. Okay. Well, Septemics is a philosophical science based on the fact that many phenomena related to human beings occur in a sequence of seven levels. Literally, the word septemics means of or pertaining to seven. Septemics comprises a collection of scales or sequences, each of which breaks down various human phenomena in hierarchy of seven steps. There are 35 such scales which span the spectrum of human experience, by which I mean there is no situation that a human being is going to have that will not resolve by the use of one or more of these 35 scales. Uh, There are 24 scales which apply primarily to individuals and 11 scales which apply primarily to groups. And I'm an engineer and Septemics is based on natural law. I worked on this book for 25 years to make sure that everything in it was correct and uh, in accordance with nature. How did you... you as, as, As engineers... We are interested in getting results as opposed to scientists. Scientists are interested in developing a theory. Engineers have to create something that actually works. What I have done here. And how did you get into the research that led to Septemics? Well, I can answer that in a couple of different ways. First of all, I was a born polymath, meaning I was intensely interested in any legitimate subject from earliest childhood. I was always asking people questions. How does this work? You know, like I remember when I was three, uh, I I always loved music. I was listening to records uh, and I went into the kitchen where my mom was. And I said, mom, how do they get the man's voice into the record? So, you know, I was sort of inquiring about the electronics of it. Although at three, that was, that was as sophisticated a question as I could ask. But that's sort of how my mind worked. And by the time I was 10, I knew that I was searching for something. Uh, and that search continued until I discovered septemics, which was many decades later, late in life. But another way I can answer it is this. I worked as a human development engineer for many decades. I treated hundreds of people very successfully. And I observed that my clients would improve, but they would improve in a predictable way. Not predictable to them, predictable to me. Meaning I observed that they would be going upscales. So there would be various axes upon which they would improve. And I could tell what the improvement would be before it would happen because I had already written it down from other people. So I had all of these scales of various lengths uh, that I had just empirically determined 
from working with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. You know, when you work with a cross section of the population, you get a good idea whether something works or not. Uh, so I had one scale in particular that had six levels that I had been working with for decades and I knew it was correct. Although there was still something about it that was, you might say, not quite perfect. In 1995, the light bulb went on over my head and I realized there is a seventh level to this scale. And I inserted that level into the scale. Now, when I inserted it, it became mathematically verifiable, meaning it presented itself to me at that point as, as uh, something that an engineer would recognize as being inherently correct. For example, the Pythagorean theorem is inherently correct. It's, it's a part of the universe. It was there before human beings and will be there after Earth no longer is here. So that is what I saw in this particular scale. Now, when that happened, I said, you know, I have all these other scales of varying lengths. And I wonder if some of those also are really seven level scales, but I just haven't figured out all the levels yet. So I then inspected all the other scales. Now in engineering, we say that 90% of getting the correct answer is asking the right question. So I knew what I was looking for then. And because I knew what I was looking for, I was able to find the remaining missing levels on all these other scales. And voila, I had about 32 scales all of a sudden within about a month. Uh, and I realized this is big. This is way bigger than I was looking for. This is a subject. Mm. So at that point, uh, I started writing the book and I started presenting it to colleagues of mine, brilliant colleagues of mine, people with uh, PhDs and so forth. And the response that I got from this book, right from the very beginning, right from the original transcript was phenomenal. In other words, people were blown away by this book, even in its first version. So then encouraged by that, I started working on it. Now I have to realize, that eventually I found 35 scales, each of which has seven levels. And therefore there's 245 different levels that had to be verified, which is a lot of work. Because as an engineer, I'm not gonna present anything unless I know it's correct and I have proven it works. So I started presenting this material to readers and students. I had students and clients. And the response that I got was uniformly positive. Although, of course, every person views things in his own way. So it wasn't identical, but it was very positive. So I continued to work on this to try to get it to be a foolproof system that would help for anybody who could read English and wants to get better. So that's what it is. If you want to improve yourself or improve the people around you and you know how to read English, this book is for you. Now, you might say, well, everybody wants to improve himself. And, and I'm sorry, but that's not true. There are a lot of people who are not interested in improving themselves. The majority of people are. But there are people, 
sociopaths and psychopaths and criminals and drug addicts and alcoholics. They're just interested in, you know, robbing the next bank, getting the fix or uh, just doing whatever they feel like doing, basically. They're not interested in improving themselves. But there are a majority of us who really do want to improve ourselves. Now, sometimes that sort of means helping somebody else. Like, for instance, if a guy is in a bad relationship, he might not necessarily think of it as that there's something wrong with him. He might think of it as there's something wrong with his spouse. So he could use this book on his spouse to try to help her to straighten out whatever's going on. Normally, when people read this book, they, without anybody telling them, find themselves on these scales. In other words, each scale, you can find yourself at an appropriate level. And the power of this is, if you find the right level, you will be able to move up one level. One of the axioms of the subject is that you can never skip a level. This is a whole new concept to, to humanity. In other words, if you each of these scales is very different from each of the other scales. Each scale is unique. And in order to cover all of human phenomena, that would have to be the case. You would have to have scales that, are, that vary. So what normally happens is when a person gets this book, and as he reads it, it'll blow his mind. He will, he will have doors open up to him uh, in his mind of, wow, I never thought about that before. Yes, that's the truth. And then he will start using it for himself. And then he will start using it on other people. That's what happens. So it's just like, you know, if a guy discovers, let's say, a certain supplement that really helps him, you know, he, he's going to say to his buddy, you know, I feel much better because I'm taking this supplement. Why don't you try it? That's how this book is. So you have to study it and understand it. But I went through a lot of trouble to make sure that anyone who can read English reasonably well can comprehend this book. And that in itself was, it took a lot of years because it's an 87,000 word book. And I had to go through every word to see how are people going to interpret this? You know, is, is also, I wanted it to work for every reader. So this book can be appreciated by academics, professors, intellectuals, but it also can be appreciated by just ordinary people who want to improve their lives. So that was a lot of work to get it to be that way. So first I had to discover the phenomena, and I told you how I did that. Then I had to construct uh, an applied philosophic system, which only very recently I called Septemex. For many years, it didn't even have a name. Mm. And then I had to express it in a book that would connect with people. And by going back and forth with colleagues of mine and students of mine, clients of mine, and spending a lot of rereading it and rewriting it, I got it to the point where it does what I wanted it to do, which is what engineers are about. Mm -hmm. We're happy only when the thing works. So 
I'm happy with this book. And so I published it a year ago. And everybody I talk to about this book says, yeah, okay, this makes sense. You know, now I'm interested in it. So that's my story. So you mentioned seven different levels. Can you give us an example of one of the levels? Or? Well, of course, every scale is unique. So the levels of the scale correspond to the axis of human behavior or human phenomena that is measured by that scale. So I would have to talk to you about a specific scale in order to talk about specific levels. You want me to talk about a specific scale? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the scale I mentioned before, uh, which I discovered in 1995. As I said, I had been working with it for decades as a six-level scale. And knowing that those six levels were correct in the order they existed. And then when I discovered the seventh scale, that's when I real the seventh level, that's when I realized this is big. So that scale I call the scale of basic purposes. Now, I did not know what axis I was measuring. In other words, uh, in human development, there are many different ways that a person can improve. Some people will improve on one scale, some people will improve on another scale. And the person could be high on one scale and low on another scale. So uh, you can't just rely on one scale. However, every scale is correct, whether we think it is or not. In other words, let's take the heliocentric theory. The Earth has been revolving around the sun since before there were humans on Earth. Now, Copernicus is the person who famously took note of it. Some people call it the Copernican theory. Uh, although that it was actually proposed in 300 BC by a Greek. But people did not really get hip to that until about the time of Columbus. By then, people kind of had this idea. Uh, and it took really hundreds more years for it to be accepted as a fact. Well, now we have uh, experimental data that proves it beyond question that that's true. Although most people didn't have a clue about that prior to 1500. So that's sort of the way these scales are. Now this scale of basic purposes uh, posits the idea that every human being has one of seven basic purposes. This in itself is a revolutionary concept. Now, of course, everybody has many purposes. I mean, if you say, gee, I'd really like to have a beer, well, that's a purpose, you know, but it's not your basic purpose. Now, the beauty of this scale is once you know somebody's basic purpose, it's really easy to understand the person. Yeah. For example, I can tell you the basic purpose of every president of the United States going back as far as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And that's because I've studied these men, I've observed them, I listened to what they said, I read what they wrote. And to tell you the truth, people tell you their levels on scales. If you know the scale, you can just observe a person and he will tell you either by his verbiage or by his behavior where he is on that scale. It's not that hard to figure out once you know the scale. So the lowest level on the scale is what I call the subversive. Fortunately, there aren't too many of those. 
The objective of the subversive is to destroy. Now, most people do not understand this for very good reason. Most people are not inherently destructive. And I mean, overwhelmingly, most people are not inherently destructive. Most people look at a person like that and think, well, he's out for himself or something like that. But the truth is there are people who are, their objective is to destroy. For example, Adolf Hitler was at this level. Paul Pot was at this level. And if you study those men and exactly what they did in context, you can see that they were destructive. I mean, if Hitler were not destructive, he could have won that war. He was close to winning that war. And he sabotaged himself because he was destructive. He did many things that were destructive to himself and to his own purpose and to his own people, which caused him to lose the war. When in fact, in 1940, he was winning. So uh, that's the lowest basic purpose. Above that, level six is what I call the criminal. Now, the criminal is easy for most people to understand. The criminal's objective is pleasure. If you look at uh, professional criminals, like people in the, the mafia or the Russian mob or whatever, they're interested in pleasure. They want drugs, alcohol, sex, limousines, uh, yachts, things like that. They are not interested in helping anybody. Now, if you get in their way, they'll kill you or beat you up or do something bad to you. But that's not really what they're after. They're after whatever you're keeping them from getting. So they're not inherently destructive. However, they do end up being destructive to anybody who gets in their way. Now, above that, at level five, is what I call the loser. Now, a loser is not just somebody who's doing badly. A loser is somebody who is intentionally sabotaging himself. Now, when I say intentionally, that does not necessarily mean he's aware that he's sabotaging himself. Mm. Because you have to understand, the lower someone is on any one of these scales, the less insightful he is. He doesn't have the insight into himself to realize what's really happening. And I'm sure you've seen people at this level, about 20% are criminals and about 20% are losers. Now, the loser cannot be helped. His objective is to suffer. So if you try to help him, you are opposing his most basic objective. So this is the type of person, if you give him a house, he'll burn it down. If you give him a car, he'll crash it. If you give him 50000 he'll blow it in Vegas and so forth. And there are many people like that. And this is bad news for do-gooders who think everybody can be helped. I can assure you, the people at, on this scale at level five, six, and seven cannot be helped. The people at level seven can't be helped because they just want to destroy, including themselves. The people at level six can't be helped because they're criminals. And the people at level five can't be helped because they are inherently self-destructive. Now, above that, at level four is what I call the normal. The normal is the largest group. It's 30% of the population. If you want to know what a normal is like, watch reruns of Ozzie and Harriet, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. It ran for 15 years because most people in America could relate to it. It's all about normal people. They have a house, they have a car, they have kids, they belong to a club, they want to take a vacation, they have a job. 
you know, they're, they're normal people. You know, they're not criminals. They're not trying to save the world. Their goal is conformity. Now, most people think of, think of conformity as a negative thing. But think of it this way. They want to fit in. You know, if everybody has an iPhone, they want to have an iPhone. If everybody has uh, a vacation home, they want to have a vacation home. That's sort of how they're fitting in. You know, they will belong to like a mainstream church or a mainstream religion because they're fitting in. Uh, these are not people who want to change the world. They just want to have a normal life. Mm. Above that, at level three, is what I call the leader. Pardon me. The winner. The winner is somebody who wants to win. It's not enough for him to fit in. He wants to win. Now, of course, winning means different things to different people. It could mean becoming a billionaire. It could mean having your own business. It could mean becoming world famous. It could mean uh, creating fantastic art. So whatever it means to that person, he is motivated. This guy wants to win. And an enormous proportion of famous people are in this category because they're motivated to win. They, they're not going to uh, be satisfied. You know, like, for example, a person who's a famous actor. Uh, you know, in order to become a famous actor, you have to go through a lot. Very few people just step into it. Yeah. Uh, or to become a famous musician. You have to be motivated. These people are motivated. So they're out to win. <clears throat> now, above that, level two is what I call the leader. The leader's objective is conquest. Now, you might think, well, conquest is a bad thing. Not necessarily. It depends on the context of the conquest. For example, when Hitler conquered the Confederacy, that was a good conquest. It was certainly good for all the people who were against slavery, including all the slaves. And most people around the world wanted the Union to win. So that was a good conquest. Now, Lincoln was highly motivated. If you study what he went through, and of course, there are hundreds of books about this, his generals wouldn't fight for him. His Cabinet wasn't behind him. Many people in the North were not behind him because they were not motivated to conquer the South. He was determined to end slavery and to save the Union. And by the way, at that time, it was considered almost impossible to do both of those things. You could do one or you could do another. But he did both. Now, here's a man who suffered terribly. It's extremely common for leaders to suffer because they are determined to conquer whatever they're out to conquer. Usually it's something evil. Another leader was, for example, Winston Churchill. Without Winston Churchill, the English would have surrendered to the Germans. It was Churchill's leadership that kept the English fighting and eventually led to the defeat of the Axis powers which was a very good thing. I mean, the defeat of the Axis powers was not only a good thing for the allies, it was even good for the people in Germany and Italy 
and Japan and the other countries that were uh, their allies. So that was a very good conquest. So don't get the idea that world conquering is bad. It depends on how you're doing it. But that's what they're about. And so those people do not have easy lives. Above that is the highest purpose of all, which is transcendence. And this is the person I call the saint. Now, the saint uh, will articulate his position and his beliefs in the context of whatever belief system he's part of. For example, if the person is a Christian, he'll talk about going to heaven. If the person is a Buddhist, he'll talk about attaining nirvana. If a person is a Hindu, he'll talk about resolving his karma. So it depends on what belief system the person has. But to me, these all kind of are the same thing. Although people in those belief systems don't think of it that way, but I do. Certainly, there are saints in every belief system. So Jesus of Nazareth is a saint. Uh, Mohandas Gandhi is a saint. Uh, Yogananda, the famous guru, is a saint. So these people, these people are not motivated by the things that motivate people. They don't care about money. They don't care about fame. They don't care about pleasure. They want to transcend this world into a higher level of experience. So that's the scale of basic purposes. And I can also tell you that this scale has a phenomenon in it, which is inflow, outflow, inflow, outflow. Now, what I mean by that is this is a bipolar universe, or you might want to use the word dichotomous universe. In order for there to be an in, there has to be an out. In order for there to be an up, there must be a down. That is how this, this universe is constructed. So seven of these scales have this built into them. It is a mathematical thing. And for example, the saint is transcending. That is an inflow, uh, or you might want to use the word a withdrawal. To, a withdrawal is an inflow. He's withdrawing from life. Now below that is the leader. The leader is not withdrawing. He is conquering. That's an outflow. Or you might want to use the word a reach. He's reaching out into whatever he wants to conquer. Below that is the, the winner, and he's on an inflow. He's feathering his nest. He's inflowing money and airplanes and businesses and whatever else he wants, you see? Mm -hmm. And it goes all the way down to the scale that way. Inflow, outflow, inflow, outflow, inflow, out. So that tells you that those scales are in the proper position. You can't move them because it would violate the inflow outflow. So as an engineer, that is really what told me that this was big and that I need to, to look into this more. And as I said, I found seven other scales that have that built into them. So uh, mathematics is inarguable, and this is a sort of mathematical thing. There's a lot of mathematics that went into the creation of Septemex. Now, when you read it or read the book, it, it doesn't necessarily hit you that way because I went out of my way to make it accessible to everyone. Now, I took 26 semesters of math, so I mm. have a mathematical mind, and 
I sort of think in math. So I see math and everything. I see math and music. Uh, and any place I look, I see it in athletics. Uh, and that's sort of how uh, scientists and engineers, and of course, mathematicians look at the world. That's how they view things. So that is what told me that this was big and led me to find the other 34 scales eventually. Um, the other thing I want to point out about this particular scale is that the dividing line between sane and insane is level four, the normal. The pe people from level, level one, two, three are absolutely sane. The people below level four are definitely insane, mm. although in different ways. And at four, it's kind of, kind of uh, on the edge. So now, of course, you know, when we talk about what do we mean by sane and insane, there are degrees of sanity. Yes. Uh, you know, the idea that one is either in a binary way, sane or insane, everybody in the mental health field knows that's not true. There are degrees of it. So when you get therapy or facilitation, you become less insane or more sane if it works. So, of course, it is a well-documented fact for many years now in the mental health community that uh, psychopaths and sociopaths do not benefit from therapy, which is another way of saying they're not going to improve themselves, which is what I told you 20 minutes ago. Right. So what is that like as far as for someone to not improve, not necessarily, a you know, just an absolute crazy person, but let's say that you're for a, no a normal person and you're well, seeking some therapy and it doesn't work. Well, you see, let's, I mean, people on this particular scale, since I told you the scale, I'll do it by this scale. Although I could discuss this on all 35 scales. Okay. So, uh, people who are at levels one, two, and three, and four, if they go into therapy, they will improve. I mean, if the therapist has any ability at all, they will improve. Okay. There might be some therapists out there who themselves are not good people. That could happen. Because, you know, there are bad people yes. who have graduate degrees. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, Doctors. but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So so but the people at the lower levels, they are not going to improve. So because you have to understand, if a person is a loser, and that's 20% of the population, these their objective is to sabotage themselves. They sabotage themselves continuously. And let me tell you a story along that. I did a lot of business deals. I am good in business, and so I represented people many times in business deals. Uh, and I had this one real estate deal that I did. This is before Septemix existed. And so it was this person asked me to come in and, you know, look at this property and negotiate this deal. And I agreed to do it. So I went to work, you know, negotiating with the sellers and this person kept sort of coming to me and trying to mess up the deal. Hmm. And I had to keep saying, no, no, no. I know what I'm doing. Okay. 
We, we shouldn't do that. This went on to a point where I finally had to tell this person, shut up and go away. If you want me to do this, I will do it. Just leave me alone. And I got that property for exactly the price that I said it should be gotten for. Mm. But I had to push the person away. You know, I have just, I realized later, years later, that this person was alone. This person wound up not only losing that property, but losing all the other properties. Mm. So this is a person who would do stupid things to sabotage himself. So, and of course, as I said, sociopaths and psychopaths don't get better in therapy. Well, those people are generally at level six or seven. You know, if you look at the Nuremberg war crimes trials in 1945, I believe they tried 20 people. Only one of those people showed any remorse or regret. That was Albert Speer. They did not execute him. They gave him 20 years. And he wrote a book uh, saying, yes, this was wrong. I regret having done that. I shouldn't have done it. And so he, he was probably, although he was a Nazi, a member of the Nazi party, he probably wasn't a criminal or a subversive. You know, if you were in Nazi Germany, if you weren't a Nazi, you couldn't get any help. For example, mm -hmm. Werner von Braun, the great rocket scientist, if he weren't in the Nazi party, he wouldn't have gotten any funding. He created all those rockets that was cutting edge technology for the Nazis. And of course, he, like other engineers, was interested in engineering. You know, he wanted to do his work. He was a brilliant man. And so in order to do it, he had to go along with the party. It's not that he was uh, a destructive person. So he wound up coming to the United States after the war. And our space program came from him and his men. He had about 25 associates. And the U.S. was smart enough to bring him and all his engineers and scientists over here and put them all to work for the United States. And that's where our space program came from. So Speer and uh, Von Braun, they were not evil people, even though they were in there. And, you know, there are a few people in groups like the Mafia who are not destructive people. I could name a few that I know of. Uh, it's an exception, but there are people who get in it because it's a family thing or whatever. They're not really, really criminals or subversives. Uh, most of them are. Uh, and of course, what most people don't realize is there are thousands and thousands of uh, evil people in governments all oh, over yeah. the world. They gravitate to that. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, the criminals in the United States government, I know because I've read books on this. There are people who've done studies on this, have stolen trillions of dollars from us, the taxpayers. Trillions. Okay. Mm. And most people can't even get their mind around how much money that is. I mean, a trillion is a million million. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Uh, <clears throat> Secretary of Defense came out some years ago and said, you know, there's $2 trillion missing from the Department of Defense. Just like that. So 
uh, you know, the people who, <clears throat> I'll tell you something else that I, I discovered uh, from, from study and from experience. Most people will get better if you get them in the right thing. Like there are some people who will improve by Christianity. Not everybody, but some people. There are some people who improve through psychotherapy. Not everybody, but some people. So you have to sort of get the thing that works for the person. But I'll tell you something else. 20% of the population, these would be people at the top of the various scales, will improve from almost anything. They'll improve from going in the Boy Scouts. They'll improve from uh, mm. doing Buddhism, meditation. 20% of the people, almost anything they do, they'll get better. Now, I'm not talking about destructive things or crazy things. I'm talking about betterment activities. You know, and of course, there are many of these things. You know, some people uh, get a lot of improvement from jogging. You know, so 20% will improve from almost anything sensible. And 20% are not going to improve no matter what you do. And then the rest of us are sort of in the middle and sort of have to get the right thing. And does the book help you discover ways to uh get to a different level or go up a level? Absolutely. I detail in great specificity how to use the book to improve yourself and to improve others. There's a whole section in the, in the introduction, fairly long section about how to use it on yourself. Basically, you have to study the scale carefully, and then you have to see either general or specific where you fit. For example, some of these scales are general scales and some of the most specific scales. Now, the scale of basic purposes that I told you all about, that's a general scale. In other words, you fit, everybody fits someplace in one of those seven levels. And if you find that level, that will generally help you. Now, I'll also tell you, it's not easy to change on that scale. A basic purpose is a big thing, you know, if you can get a person to change his basic purpose, that's amazing. Uh, and I'll give you a famous story that are, most people know. Saul on the road to Damascus, which is detailed in the Bible. He was, he was a high-ranking person uh, working for the Romans, although he was a Jew working for the Romans. And his job was to uh, suppress Christianity, which was considered uh, a cult. It was a cult at the time, and it was considered destructive to the Romans, which from the Roman point of view was true. It was. Because, uh, you know, once a person knows that he's going to die and go to heaven, it's really hard to make him do anything that he doesn't want to do. So, you know, people like the, the early Christians, there was a small number of people, but they were people who said, all right, go ahead and kill me. I'll be in heaven in 10 minutes. So he was a, a leader amongst the Romans. So he was out to conquer the Christians. That was his job. So he's riding on the road to Damascus. He sees a light in the sky. He hears a voice speak to him out of nowhere. He's knocked off his horse and through some transformation that is not really explained in the Bible, 
he then becomes St. Paul. So that was, that's an example of a person whose basic purpose changed. He changed from conquest to transcendence. Mm. That is a famous example. Generally speaking, it's very difficult to get a person to change uh, on this scale. Most people, I don't have a number on this, but I would say definitely above 90%, maybe above 95%, spend their whole lives at one of these levels. And once you know your level on this scale, it's much easier to live. You know what you're about. You know what you're trying to do. And it's equally true with other people. If you can spot another person on that scale, it tells you a lot about that person. Uh, for example, uh, if you are dating someone, right, and you assess them against the sky, and you see that their basic purpose is to suffer, that's somebody you want to get away from. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be able to help that person. And even though that person does not intend to harm you, they will wind up harming you yeah. because you are around. For example, you know, if, if a guy has drugs and you're in the car with him and you get stopped, you get charged as well. Yeah. So that's an example of you getting dragged into somebody else who is self-destructive. Right. So did I answer your question? Yeah. Um, okay. How would someone like, are there things that can knock someone down a level? Or Absolutely. Absolutely. When a person has a traumatic experience, it knocks him down a level. And if the traumatic experience continues, it can knock him down several levels. Not on the scale I just told you about, but remember, there are 35 different scales. So when you see a person crash, what's happening is he's been traumatized by something, a divorce or a drug addiction or uh, having his child murdered or something, and it knocks him down often a level or many levels, not all at once, but gradually on many different scales. So a person when he has a bad experience, he could go down 10 or 15 scales within a matter of days. So this is what you see, like you have a guy, he's in love with this woman, she leaves him, he's heartbroken, he becomes an alcoholic, he loses his job, he loses his home, and he winds up at the bottom of many of these scales, each of which is a little different. Also, it's true that if a person has a transformational experience or any type of very positive uh, therapy, not necessarily mental health, but could be through religion or something, he will go up scales. So you see, my job as a human development engineer for many decades was to take the person at where he was, see what level he was at, and use my techniques to move him up one level. And so, of course, originally when I started out doing this, I knew I was helping people and they were getting better, but I didn't realize initially that it was this level business. I determined that later just by observing how many people 
were, would improve in the identical way. So if you look at any scale, you'll see that uh, above level five is level four. And if the person improves from five, from five, he is going to four. Now, when he goes to four, he can improve to three. And when he goes to three, he can improve to two. Now, it, that's why crash diets don't work. For example, nobody can lose 100 pounds. You can lose one pound 100 times. So it's a gradient, right? You have to do it by gradients. So for example, I was involved in uh, physical culture, both for myself and as a trainer. You have to get the right gradient. You can't just get a guy in and make him lift 100 pounds. He's going to get injured. He's going to be discouraged. You have to find something that, that works for him. In other words, okay, maybe this guy can curl 20 pounds. Okay, so let him curl 20 pounds on each one. That's what he can do. And then after maybe three months, he'll be able to curl 25 pounds. And if you keep going that, he won't get discouraged and he won't give up because you're following the gradients. So each of these scales has seven gradients. That's the beauty of it. I can guarantee that this is going to help people because you know what you're after. And let me explain it this way. Uh, if, if you were going to a rendezvous, you would expect the person to tell you exactly where it was and probably also how to get there. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people who go through life aimlessly. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they're trying to get, and they don't know how they're going to get there. Well, this book solves all three of those things. Because it tells you in any context where you are, where you will go if you improve, and where you will go if you fail, because you go up a level or down a level. So, for example, there's a scale of sexuality. This scale is a godsend to anybody who has any difficulty in their relationship. And when you study this scale, you will, you will see, aha, yes, I can see somebody's at this level. Another person is at that level. And you can there are compatibilities. And of course, I discuss it in that chapter about people at different levels on the scale are going to be compatible. Uh, you know, there are people for whom there is just no sex. Now, that is not necessarily a bad thing. There are people at a high level like gurus and ministers and monks, uh, saints, who have no sex. They're fine about it. They don't want it. They're not interested in it. They're interested in it transcending. But then there are people at the bottom of the scale who have no sex. And that is a problem for them. So, and then in between, there are five other levels, you see? So if you have any type of spousal problem, you can look at this and you can say, okay, where am I on this? And once you know, if you get the level correct, you will be able to move up to the next level because it's telling you what you should be working towards from where you are. Somebody else who's at a different level, mm -hmm. you know, a person who's at two, level two, you know, his, if when he goes up, he's going to go to level one. A person who's at level four, if he goes up, he's going to go to level three. So 
for example, it's well known that Mohandas Gandhi for many years tried to give up sex and he failed. He failed because he wasn't at a high enough level on the scale to do that. Eventually he did. There was a point where he just gave up sex. Now that's probably from all of the meditation he did, all the prayer he did. Uh, he probably resolved a lot of karma by all his good works. And so eventually he was able to do it because for somebody as brilliant as him, he probably was able to improve himself without having this book. That does happen. When you see people improving themselves, they're moving themselves up these scales. So, of course, you don't necessarily have to know a specific scale in order to improve yourself. But the whole point of this book is it makes it easier and faster because there are 35 different scales. You see, like you have a person like Einstein. Einstein was a genius, right? That, that is on the scale of human ability, the highest level. So, but he wasn't a saint, different scale, you see? Yeah. So, so different people, you know, at the end of the book, I took three actual people who I knew very well, I knew personally, and I analyzed them with this book. I did not give their names or any information that might suggest who they were. I don't even give their genders because obviously that's, that wouldn't be fair. But I analyzed them, which is something anybody can do who knows this, and I put the complete analysis. And when you read those three analyses, you'll see some people are high in one scale and low on another scale. So that's why sometimes you'll have a musician who is a fed fantastic musician you know he's a genius level musician like Eddie Van Halen you know Eddie died at 65 he was a notorious drug user I'm sure he shortened his life by all the drugs he did so you know on that one scale yeah he was at the top but I'm sure on other scales he was not and that's true for all of us to some degree I don't think there are any humans, I certainly have never seen, who's at the top of all of the scales. And there's very few people who are at the bottom of all of the scales. So, for example, there are presidents of the United States who are at level six. Basic purpose is pleasure. They're criminals, okay? Not naming anybody, but I know they're there. And if you know this book and observe them, you can see some of these people not only are they very well educated, some of them are very intelligent. And they certainly were successful enough to become president of the United States. That is not an easy thing. But if you look at the things they did, you can see they were not good things. They did a lot of bad things, which is what you're going to get from a criminal. Uh, it's not as bad as subversive. Uh, you know, I mean, there are different estimates, but conservatively, at least 60 million people were killed in World War II. So now, if the people of Germany had this book, they never would have put him in office. I guarantee it. Now, he would have gotten some votes. You know who would have voted for him? Sociopaths, psychopaths, criminals, crazy people, okay? They would have voted for him, but that's not enough to get elected. I'm sure he got many votes from people who 
are what we would think of as normal people or even above normal people because he was a very good speaker. Even though he was a subversive, he could speak well. He was a good public speaker. And so he convinced a lot of people. You know, Ronald Reagan was known as the great communicator. That was his nickname. Mm. And not just as a president, but in everything he did in his acting, when he was president of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, he was a very good communicator. And he won probably the greatest landslide in American history in 1984, when he carried 49 states. The only state he didn't carry was the state of his opponent. And why was that? It was because of his communication skills. He connected with people. He got votes not only from Republicans, from Democrats, from independents, from libertarians, from people who ordinarily didn't even vote. So he was very, very popular uh, because of his communication skills. Obama equally has tremendous communication skills. He knows how to give a speech. So one of, that, is, that is a powerful thing. There is a scale of communication. It's in the second half of the book. This communication is a group activity. You have to have at least two people. And I show the seven levels of communication and show you how to master all seven of them. And you could become a great communicator just from that one scale. So you can have the type of abilities that Obama and Reagan had to connect with people. Uh, you know, there are presidents who got elected who weren't good communicators. They had other things going for them, maybe their agenda or whatever. But uh, Hitler was clearly a very good speaker. So he used that and he fooled a lot of people. That happens all the time. It happens in every election. Some people get fooled by bad candidates. But I guarantee he never, his party got 37% of the vote in 1933, which was the most of any particular group. That was plurality. And that put him in power. And eventually the rest is, as you say, it's history. But never would have happened if they had this book. How do you because it's not that hard to read this and see what the person is about. I'm sorry. I was going to ask, how do you see yeah. um, some of the psychological trauma that is um, basically will occur from over the past two years? How do you see some of that on as far as being compared to the levels of the scale? Well, first of, first of all, you have to remember there are 35 scales. <laughs> and each one is unique. Each one is completely different. And you would have to read the book to see. For example, did there's the, a scale of permeation. Did the past two there's years add any scales? <laughs> Pardon me? Said, so did the past two years add any extra scales? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, the book was published a year ago. Uh, so, so, you know, I had the 35 scales well before that. Uh, most of the scales I had decades before that. Because I told you in 1995 is when I discovered the scale of basic purposes, although I didn't know what axis it was. It took me years to figure out, what am I looking at here? This, the, it, it, sometimes you can get the scale and not know what axis it's on. And then when you get the axis, then you know what it is. That's why I mentioned in the scale of permeation. Most people say, permeation, what's that? What are we talking about here? Permeation is the basic 
action of a spiritual being. When you have two people who are deeply in love, they are permeating one another. When you have two people who despise one another, they're not permeating one another at all. This is an actual scale, and you can find yourself on that level. Now, for example, the way you're permeating your spouse might be different from the way you're permeating your boss, which will be different from the way you're permeating your child. And so you can find yourself at that level for each of these specific things, okay? So most people don't even know about permeation and don't even know that there's a scale of permeation. But permeation is extremely important. Once you know what it is, or you know what it is you're doing, it makes it easier to do it. You know, a lot of people have trouble with relationships, have trouble connecting with people, uh, having developing rapport, being close. Most people have trouble with that because they don't know it's about permeation. So when a person has power in an area, he's permeating that area. For example, Monet, the great painter. You know, he painted hundreds of fantastic paintings, hundreds. Uh, in fact, he painted, in many cases, he painted the same object multiple times. He clearly was permeating in that area. You, me? you see what I'm saying? He wasn't withheld from it. You know, like people, uh, I, for example, there's certain things that I don't want to have anything to do with, you know, like I don't want to have anything to do with alcohol. I don't drink. I don't criticize anybody for drink. It's none of my business. But I'm not into that. Okay. Right. So you can't say I don't. I don't know a lot about it. I can't talk about it much. I don't know anything about this liquor or that liquor. You know, I have no power in that area. I'm not permeating that area. On the other hand, I'm a music lover, so I have a lot of permeation in the area of music, and I can talk about it in with great sophistication because I permeate. I spent many hours of my life listening to music, different types of music, okay? That's just an example. So when a person has a great interest, he's permeating that area. So we say, oh, yeah, this guy's really into athletics. Well, he's permeating that. You know, he may not be permeating uh, – Books, for example. You know, there's a lot of great athletes who wouldn't read a book if you gave it to them. So it's a different area of permeation. So talking about the last two years, look, if you study the history of humanity, which I have done most of my life, you can see that terrible things have gone on all along, not in all places at all times. I mean, there were times when, in this country, when things were very good. Uh, not necessarily very good for everybody, but generally good. For example, during the Eisenhower administration, it was a time of peace and prosperity. And the great American middle class was created at that time, where you suddenly had something that never existed before in history, where you had tens of millions of people who were homeowners, automobile owners, you know, uh, that was a good time. But still, there were bad things going on. There are always bad things going on. For example, I don't know how many people know that there's always been slavery. There has never been a time in the history that we know, which goes back 6,000 years, that there wasn't slavery. There is still slavery. There is now a global system of slavery mm -hmm. where there are 
millions of kids who just disappear every year. Nobody knows where they are, what happened to them, and they become slaves. There's a big market for slaves. It's still going on. So are those people traumatized? Of course they're traumatized, all of them. Now, of course, not all slaves are traumatized to the same degree. I mean, sl some slave owners are better slave owners than other slave owners. You know, like some slave owners are what you might call good slave owners. They feed them, they clothe them, they give them medical care. You know, they're, it's like anything else. Of course, slavery is a bad thing, no matter how you slice it. But that doesn't mean all slave owners are equally bad. There are some slave owners who are really bad slave owners. You know, uh, so the world is filled with terrible things. I don't know if you know about Dr. Thomas Sowell. You familiar with him? No, I'm not familiar with he's him. An Afri he's an African-American. Uh, he grew up in Harlem. Uh, and I don't want to go into the whole story, but... Uh, he brought himself up from humble conditions. He was very poor. Eventually, he got a PhD in economics. He attended top schools like Harvard and Chicago University. And he wrote brilliant books and hundreds and hundreds of articles. Uh, and this is a perfect example of a person who lifted himself up, you know. And, of course, uh, he, now he's retired. He's an elderly person. And he did good things for the world, you know. He wrote, uh, if you read his works, which I recommend, you'll see they make great sense and they're not hard to understand. He wrote in a way that anybody who can read English will understand what he's talking about. And he brought clarity to many disparate subjects just as a, just as a general writer of nonfiction. So, and he talks often in almost everything he writes, he points out that terrible things have happened everywhere throughout history. So you can't pick up one race and say, these guys are good and these guys are bad, or pick up one religion and say, these guys are good and these guys are bad. You know, there are good Christians, there are bad Christians. There are good Jews, there are bad Jews. There are good white people, there are bad white people. There are good black people, there are bad black people. Now, of course, the proportions might vary, but he makes the point that there has always been evil in the world. And so uh, people like Hitler, who try to blame it on one group, those people are crazy. I mean, he tried to present that the Jews were responsible for all the ills of Germany. Now, it's possible that they were responsible for some of the ills of Germany, but all the ills of Germany? Absolutely not. There is no data no facts to support that. So you're talking about a crazy person here. So, you know, the, the world is full of bad things. Terrible things happen to innocent people seven days a week. There are many people in jail who are innocent. There are many people who've been executed who were innocent. But there's also a lot of people in jail who are not innocent. So, you know, it's the world is very uneven. Right. You know, you, you can't say that. I don't care who you vote for. You can't say all Republicans are good or all Republicans are bad. It's just not true. Same thing with, you know, any other group. There, there are people who say, well, all Muslims are bad. 
well, some Muslims are bad, but not all of them. So, you know, this kind of uh, unevenness is built into humanity. Now, if you study this book, it will explain that to you. You can look at a person, you can analyze a person and see, where does this guy go wrong? For example, I'll give you uh, a fact. It's very well documented that most mafia people are very good family people. They take very good care of their children. Uh, they could good care of their wives. They're family-oriented people. Are they murderers and drug dealers? Yes. <laughs> so you see, it's a different axis. So uh, in one way, they're good, and in another way, they're not good. Uh, for example, in the mafia, if you fool around with somebody else's wife, you're in a lot of trouble. They do not allow that. Okay? Uh, so I'm just saying, when you talk about trauma in a general way, it's not really productive. You have to look at the specific. And I'll tell you a fact to point that out. Prior to about 1970 in the United States, it was extremely common for boys or young men to have violent fistfights where people would get injured. And I can tell you, it's well documented. I was there. Parents didn't mind. The teachers didn't mind. The cops didn't mind. And the combatants themselves mostly didn't mind. Most of those young men were friends the next day. You know, like two guys would show up at a dance. One guy has a broken nose. The other guy has a black eye. What happened to you guys? Oh, we had a fight. And they're friends the next day. They're at the dance together. Okay. So clearly that was not traumatic for them. Right. But some people, if you smack them in the face, that's a trauma for those people. <laughs> you know, now, of course, you have to know that when you deal with a person. Right. Uh, you have to sort of have that frame of reference. Like people in the military are tough. They put up with a lot of bad stuff that most people will not put up with, don't want to put up with, are not going to put up with. Okay. So it's different people have different levels of acceptance. So this book helps you with that because it helps you to figure out who is who. You know, what, what, What's good for this guy and what's good for that? You know, one thing that's definitely true is one size does not fit all. And I don't care what you're talking about. One size does not fit all. Right. You know, people who say, oh, chiropractic can fix everybody. No, it can fix a lot of people. It maybe even can fix most people, but it cannot fix everybody. Or people who say, oh, chiropractic doesn't work, should be outlawed. No, it works for some people. But okay, so general, generalizations like that are not productive. They're not even based in fact. They're usually based in some sort of a misconception. And this book helps you to unravel those misconceptions because you can sort of figure out what's going on. For example, I knew a person, very successful person, made a lot of money, had a family, uh, went on vacations, traveled all over the world, okay? But this person was a criminal on the scale of basic purposes. So most people who look at that person would not see that. They would just see a successful person. Right. But if you study the book, you could see that 
this person, you know, had a lot of shady things going on behind the scenes, okay, that I found out about. So I was able to figure out that that was the truth for that person. Most people would, would com completely miss that. But if you read this book, you won't miss it because you'll see the scale. Okay. Well, before we get ready to close out, could you tell us uh, some of the links to where people can, the um, audience can find your book and the listeners? Can okay. Well, uh, I recommend they go to my website, which is septemics.com. S-E-P-T-E-M-I-C-S.com. And if you go there, there's a massive amount of information. You can see what readers have said about it. You can see what uh, articles have been written about it by people who I don't even know. You can read news. There's a lot of stuff there. Even sections of the book are there. And that's what I recommend people do. If you go there and you spend time, you'll find out what the subject is about and how positive it is for people, how people have benefited from it. You have to realize this book is in hardbound, softbound, and ebook. The ebook is not expensive. For 10 bucks, you can change your life. Because once you get this book, if you study it, you don't need anything else. I went out of my way to write a book that worked for everybody. It, it, caught, it cuts across all lines. It cuts across gender, ethnicity, race, nationality, you name it. This is for anybody who can read English who wants to help himself. And I was careful to write it that way. So go to septemics.com and you'll find out about it. And in fact, if you want to contact me, go to the website. My contact information is on the website. Okay. And I actually got to read the sample chapters and it's pretty fascinating. I'm definitely interested in, in the book because I'm always trying to understand people. So this seems like it kind of helps you understand just anyone and yourself as well. So. Absolutely. It's called Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. Okay. Now, you have to realize that human phenomena is bigger than human behavior. Psychology is the study of human behavior. But, but septemics is bigger than psychology. You know, I didn't start out to invent a subject, but it presented itself to me. And then I said, I have to share this with people. I have to let people find out about this because the good people in the world who want to improve themselves, who want to lift themselves up, who want to help their families and their friends and their buddies, they will use this book. And I guarantee you, anybody who masters this book will have an impact on society because not only will he improve himself, he will improve the people around him. It's an automatic. Because once you know these skills, you see it. You know, people come to me with problems and they tell me about and I can see exactly what's going on with them. I don't necessarily talk about the book or the skills, but I know how to guide them because I know what level they're at and I know what the next level up from that. So I can tell them exactly what to do and then they do it and it works. Okay. So that's what this book is about. And we appreciate you coming on the show and, and helping us understand it a little bit better. Yes. And I want to point out that there are glossaries throughout the book. Okay. Not only does every chapter have a glossary, but the introduction also has glossary. So uh, that will help any reader, you know, like take the word communication. You look it up. You know how I many definitions of communication are? There are about 30 definitions mm -hmm. of communication in a dictionary. 
So I give one specific definition, and that is the one that applies. So I do that. I give, I'm very careful to define the words in the scales. 35 scales, seven levels at 245 different levels, and each one is very carefully defined. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not vague. You don't have to guess, well, what does he mean by this? That's not the case. I went through a lot of trouble to put word, the glossaries in there to help people. And I tell everybody, first read the glossary and then read the chapter. Because uh, you, you may know the definition of some of those words. You probably don't know all the definitions of all the words, and you certainly don't know which definition I am using when I use it in this scale. And then you get it. And when you read the scale, it opens up your mind to that axis, that phenomenon. Okay. Well, we definitely appreciate your time and consideration, Jim, with sharing all of this valuable information with us as well. I also want to thank our listeners and supporters. You can find the podcast at americangypsy.com. And we also have consistent self-improvement merch at luamli.com. And we also have some music and melodies you can check out under Classic Carpenter, K-L-A-C-C-I-K-C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. And that's on Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, um, YouTube, and all major platforms as well. Thank you again to our listeners. Um, thank you again, Jim. And if you're ever in the L.A. area, we're in downtown, and feel free to uh, get in contact with us and let us know if you want to come in for an in-studio um, conversation as well. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thank you again to the listeners. Consistent self-improvement and peace. Peace.